Welcome to Life, Death, Law. I'm Liza Hanks. Please join me in this podcast as we explore estate planning. Birth, old age, sickness, and death are part of every human life, yet most of us avoid talking about it or planning for it. Death is like sex, really. We all do it. Most of us are embarrassed to talk about it, and most of us have questions we're afraid to ask. Fear no more. I'm here to answer your questions without judgment. Life, Death, Law brings you real-life stories, interviews with experts, and practical tips to answer your questions about all of it, from birth to death and everything in between. Are you ready? Let's get started. In today's episode of Life, Death, Law, I am so honored to be talking with Aina Sandman-Clark, a senior counsel, that's lawyer, at Google Inc., where among many other things, it's her job to review people's requests for access to the digital assets of someone who's died. What? I hear you say. You have to ask for access to someone's email, Google Drive docs, or YouTube videos after they've died? What's up with that? Well, I asked Anot to be on the show today because the answer to those questions is yes. You do have to ask for such access, and you may not get it. As Anot will explain in the podcast that follows, Federal law actually prohibits service providers like Google, Apple, Yahoo, and Facebook from releasing the content of such stored electronic communications without the account holder's prior consent. And of course, a dead person can no longer give that consent. To learn about what to do to make sure that your loved ones either do have access to your digital assets or don't, listen to my conversation with Anat. If you have valuable personal information stored in the cloud, and who doesn't? I think you'll enjoy listening to this podcast. So thanks for being on the show. I super appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This is great. I know. It's so fun. So the reason I asked you to talk uh, with me today is that a lot of my clients get confused when I tell them that digital assets are different than other assets, usually in the context of, hey, why can't I get my dad's email after he died? I need to know who his friends are to invite them to the memorial service or in the case of an unexpected death. All, my husband paid all of his bills on the cloud, and he died unexpectedly, and I don't know who I owe money to. I don't know how to pay it. I really need that information. What do I do? So I guess what I'd like to know from you first is why can't somebody get access to their dad's email after they die? So f first of all, I just want to recognize that this is really tough stuff. This is a difficult situation for family members and friends who are grieving. And like you said, sometimes this is still very raw. They're trying to plan a memorial service and um, that it's understandable that this feels like an obstacle of uh, immense proportions in a time where people are already vulnerable. And um, we're certainly really sympathetic to that. Um, but, but as you point out, that there is a difference. And one of the differences here is that we have an obligation to our users, and we don't always know everything that um, you know. A human who interacts with you uh, in day to day and knows that your father passed away um, would know. So, for us, for instance, to even know that a particular account corresponded to the father's account is not a thing that's easy for us to figure out because Google accounts are free and we don't verify ownership and when a user signs up for their account, they're trusting us that we keep their information locked away, that only whoever has the credential for the account could get in there. And um, 
And so that is something that's a little differently situated than, say, the box of letters that a father might have under the bed mm-hmm. that, you know, he knows that if he doesn't come home that day um, and somebody has to clean up their house, that that will be found and can be seen. So I know there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. Um but one of the things we try to navigate is to make sure that we're honoring the wishes of our users. Um, so, so what you're saying is, if I say I know for sure that my dad is Fred one two three at Google, you on the Google side are thinking, well, how do I know for sure that your dad is Fred one two three, right? Yeah. So that's one aspect. It's knowing that you know your dad is Fred one two three, and knowing that the user Fred one two three is deceased, as opposed to. There may be another reason that somebody may want to get into their account. Um, And then knowing what this user actually would have wanted us to do with their service. So this is where I'm going to reveal the fact that I'm an attorney. But isn't there also federal legislation that prohibits you from giving me my dad's email without his consent? That's right. So this is the Stored Communications Act, part of the Electronic Communication Privacy Act. And it governs uh, the circumstances under which a service provider like Google can disclose information. Um, And in particular, very sensitive about what's considered the content of communications, which is broader than just emails. But, you know, in this context, let's talk about it in terms of emails. Um, And says, you know, we can't disclose that content unless one of eight narrow exceptions exist. And the death of a user is not one of those exceptions. So, okay, so let's just talk a little bit about the difference between content and the fact that I sent an email, because I think a lot of people don't understand that difference. Um, so could you talk about that a little bit yeah, more? Yeah, so we we can think about this in terms of when you send a letter, there's the inside of the envelope stuff, and there's the outside of the envelope. So the inside of the envelope, you know, your letter to your loved one, that's private. You're expecting that nobody is seeing what's inside there. Um, but what you put on the outside in the envelope, the addressing information, you're expecting the postman to see it and anybody who might see that letter in transit um, to, to see that your expectation of privacy and what's on the outside of the envelope is different than what's on the inside. And, and you understand that that's kind of going to be needing, somebody's going to need to know that in order to get this out to where it needs to go. Um, so like that with an email, the header of an email is kind of, you may not pay attention to it a lot, but it's this top part of the email that has the to line, the from, the CC, BCC, the date and time. And then there's kind of other more hidden parts of headers. Um, those have less protection under the statute. Um, and there isn't that prohibition on disclosure um, that there is with the content of communications if you're disclosing it to a, a, a civil person. Uh, or a, I should say a person as opposed to a government. So the content of my email is the inside. Yeah. Right. And you can't give that to me, even if it's my dad, after he passed away, unless what? Well, the exception that, that of the eight that I previously mentioned that would be the closest fit is the lawful consent of the sender, recipient, uh, originator of the message. Um, so that is where service providers try to create tools. Um, Google has a tool called an active account manager where the user, while they're still alive, can tell us what they want to happen to their account if and when they die. Um, and, and really this means 
we've got you know clarity now we know that you know as you said fred123 at gmail is the user that they actually are giving us directions about what to do with their account they can say you know we want this person with this email address to get the content of my account after a certain period of time that i'm no longer accessing the service um, they can tell us that after a certain period of time of inactivity, shut it all down. Nobody gets to see this. Um, that's their choice to make, and we're happy to follow that. So that kind of online tool is amazing, but um, what if I don't use Google? And also, uh, because a lot of my listeners may not know what a service provider is, can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, this is the terminology for um, a, a company that provides an electronic communication service to the public or um, what the the federal statute calls a remote computing storage. Uh, so the ability to basically, you know, if you're, you have a Dropbox account, have that content be stored, Dropbox is your service provider. Um, Google for Gmail is your service provider. So do other service providers have tools like that, or are, is Google kind of all by itself right now? So we're not exactly by ourselves. Um, Facebook also has a tool called the uh, Legacy um, tool, and that gives some uh, ability to, you know, manage a, and memorialize the account of a deceased person. But my understanding is is that it it doesn't quite give access to all the communications in that account. So, um, you know, this is still early days of these sorts of tools, and Google, I believe, is the first to have, have put something like this out there. Um, I hope others join suit. So I have several um, people that I've worked with over the last year who are facing a really unexpected death. Um, and the person died and didn't have an active account manager, uh, in some cases didn't even have a will or a trust, right? They just walked out of their house one day and didn't come back, and the family needs to get access to their electronic communications because, like I said, for bill paying, in some cases that you read about, you know, like Yahoo's been involved with people who have a kid who committed suicide and they really want to know what happened leading up to the death. So really good reasons to need to get access to that information. Um, so what do, what do people do then? So there's a few different paths to start unraveling the unknown here. Mm -hmm. And uh, one, you know, as you mentioned, for the bill payment issues. When we talked about the outside of the envelope approach, um, the outside of the envelope has a lot of clues uh, to an executor of an estate that's trying to figure out what happened here um, and where where are the bills, where are the, the bank accounts that you know I need to go and, and check. Um, so they can see, for instance, a log of who the decedent communicated with. Um, and they can see from that, like, oh, look, every month there is a Bank of America uh, email that suggests, you know, mm -hmm. that there, this may be regular statements. So those are some, some clues that you can figure out who they talk to. How, how would you get that information, the envelope information? Um, so the, there are right now roughly 30 states that have passed legislation that would give executors the ability to get that outside of the envelope information. Is California one of them? Yes, it is. So okay. this was the um, AB 691 uh, a couple of years back that was passed in California. Um, and it, it does give a, a pathway for an executor to be asking for the outside of an, the envelope type information. I believe it's called like the, a catalog of communications. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they still have to 
jump through a few hoops. They have to, uh, you know, give the exact account name, for instance, because, you know, if they say, you know, my my father, Bob Smith, passed away, you know, we're not going to know who that is. Um, and the, so the statute kind of gives a pathway to get that outside of the envelope information. Um, for inside of the envelope information, the statute, you know, has a path for that, but it still needs that hook of a consent. So some sort of a showing or finding needs to be made to a court to show that there is actual consent there or to a provider. You know, provider can choose whether they want a court order or not for this, but uh, for the provider to legally be able to disclose that information, they need to have it fit into that consent exception. Um, the statute doesn't say how that consent needs to be manifested, mm -hmm. about whether you know that needs to be in a will or some other writing or some other testimony that um, would evidence that consent. Mm -hmm. But um, that is, you know, if, if still how we have to thread the needle between state law and federal law to make sure that we're not in conflict between the two. So with people in my office who uh, have been facing this situation, we've had to go get a court order. Uh, and the court order basically says that the person who's requesting the order is somebody who's authorized to act for the person who died, right? The executor, usually. Um, and that this person is willing to say under penalty of perjury that they know that Fred123 was dad. Um, and that it's reasonably necessary to get that information for the administration of the estate. And the courts have granted those orders, right? And then they give those orders to Google or Apple or Yahoo. And then what does the people get back? Like, I, don't, I haven't seen that part of the process. Um, well, it's, it's going to depend on what it is that they ask for. So, for instance, with Google, we, as we go through this court order process with users under the state law, um, we look to see if the court order is specific about what products that they are interested in, because we have a lot of products. And, you know, you might be really interested in your dad's emails, but care a little less about their Google, his Google Fit information. Um, so that um, gives us the idea of what it is that we have to go and pull. Of course, if he had a heart attack, I'd want to know all about his Google <laughs> Fit information. Maybe that might be a helpful, helpful thing. Um, so, but that's why we look to see what the request actually is. It's not a, you know, one one size fits all approach. Um, and, you know, on our end, kind of the things that we do is we, we want to make sure that we're getting things right and that there isn't a mistake through, you know, even a typo that might be in place that you say, you know, your dad is Fred 123. It turns out he was 1234. And, you know, if we don't um, take care to make sure that the right account is, is identified, we might be accidentally disclosing somebody else's information. Uh -huh. And that's no good. So, so do I get a CD in the mail? Do I get a thumb drive? So typically, the, the um, volume of data is so large on these accounts that it's not something that we can email to you. So we would send it to you on some fixed medium, typically mm -hmm. a hard drive. Uh, but that can change depending on what any particular production size is and and what's available at the time, but but we will want the court order to actually say who we are supposed to send it to, what office, you know, so that you know we don't accidentally disclose it to the office next door that's not supposed to get it. Right. So there's a, so there's three ways. Right. One is I dad gives consent using an active account manager. One is dad doesn't do anything and dies and we have to get a court order. But the one in the middle is the one that estate planners are dealing with these days, right, where we write wills and trusts that have paragraphs in them that say, I hereby give my trustee or executor 
permission to access my digital assets, right? So if dad had that kind of will and dad died, uh, what would I give to Google to get access to his account? A copy of the will? So the same process still applies um, where, you know, for Google, we have a web form that users can um, go to. This is where they would indicate to us which products that they're looking for at this web form process. We would be ingesting the documents that are sent to us, including, you know, a government issued ID for the requester and the death certificate. Um, we'd be checking for things like, you know, signs that this account may not match up with, you know, what is being alleged. We're also checking for things like, is this account still being actively used? Um, we're providing notice to that account so that you'd be surprised the number of times that um, we provide this notice and the person says, don't give my account information away. I'm still using this account. And they're not dead yet? They're not dead yet, uh, Monty Python style. So, um, you know, th this is something that we, we care very deeply about. We want to get it right. We try to give those notices. Now, if we do those checks and everything works out, you know, consistently with what we would expect, um, we then provide, you know, helpfully, I think, uh, the language that we're looking for in a court order to be able to be making that kind of disclosure. Um, and, you know, the will can be something that a court would find convincing about the level of consent right. existing uh, and being necessary. But while you're planning and thinking about this in advance, I think it's really important to be specific about what falls into that digital asset um, right. bucket um, because, you know, you may have 20 email addresses or you may use lots of different online services, some of which, you know, your match.com profile is not something that you think is necessary to the um, executors or your family and friends to have later. Um, in figuring out your state, but you know your Gmail and your Facebook account, you're fair game with. So those are things that you know having unique identifiers that say what is the account that's at issue, um, making that explicit in the will, and you know ruling what's in and what's out um, would be helpful. Yeah, I mean I tell my clients all the time, you know you might not want your kids to have access to your digital life or all of it. There may be parts of it that you would like to keep private after you die. So. Definitely that's an issue. And I'd like to turn a little bit toward best practices now, because now we sort of talked about how I would get access to dad's email if he died, not leaving anything in place. But in terms of best practices, um, clearly people should use an online tool if there is one, right? I think that's really important. It takes, just like all of your estate planning can take the burden off of your loved ones to figure out what to do right. in that difficult time, this is a place that it not only would it be helpful for you as an online tool, but to make it known to your loved one or executors that you have used it. Okay. Um, because we have had kind of inconsistent requests come in for uh, somebody who's used that tool, and then we get a request that's not consistent with that tool usage, and we have to reject those because we, we honor our users' wishes. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, kind of communicating as a, to, to your loved ones that, hey, you are – you are indeed who I would want to get this information. I've selected a six-month period of inactivity, so 
you know, hold tight till then, um, that, you know, those kinds of things would be helpful to communicate to your loved ones while. Okay, so we wanna do an online tool. We wanna update our will and our trust and our power of attorney to explicitly give power to access my digital assets if that's what we want in our documents, right? And third, we have to know that a court order is a backup. But how about, should I, if I'm putting my estate plan together, uh, probably a list of my digital assets would be a good idea. That that would be helpful so that, you know, you're you, keeping that up to date is another challenge. But um, so that those who are having to manage it later know exactly what targets they're shooting at. That would be helpful. So what if I put all my passwords on that inventory and... Um, uh, this is slightly fictional, assuming they would all be up to date, because I, it's very hard to keep those kinds of lists up to date. But say I had an up-to-date list of my passwords, and say I passed away, or my dad passed away, and I had an up-to-date list of his passwords, and I thought, well, you know, I don't need to ask a, con- a service provider to provide me access. I have his password. Why don't I just use it? So what's wrong with that? Well, there's different schools of thought about <laughs> Other this. than it being completely illegal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, one... one aspect of that is um, is this argument that, oh, if you're accessing somebody else's account, that is an unauthorized access and it's a federal crime. But another interpretation is the account user, by giving you the credentials to the account, has authorized you to access the account um, in in this capacity. So, um, you know, I'm not going to opine that it it is or isn't a violation of, of law, just as you've kind of hinted the challenge here is uh, if you're relying on a list with passwords um, that that's actually going to be effective later Um, you know some services may force a password reset Uh, there's two-factor authentication out there now where a password may not be enough you may need something else a device be able to answer a question something so um, I'd say that if that's what you're planning for then kind of make sure that you're planning for the full extent of that um, and, you know, there are, there are folks that have really strong opinions about don't share passwords, you know, right. even after death. And um, I, I understand the, the value of that because things, things change. Yeah, I think passwords are most useful for that um, period of incapacity where, you know, somebody may need someone to act for them under power of attorney mm-hmm. and having access to their online banking and other online financial resources can be really important if you're trying to manage assets for that person. But but after death, just like I tell my clients, you can't use a power of attorney after someone's died to pay the caregivers. People get that wrong all the time because they can do it, but after someone's died, there's no authority under that document anymore. So I think it's kind of that same idea. There's you know a definite dividing line between when someone is alive and when somebody isn't. So that's actually helpful. Um, I think some of my clients don't really know uh, what a digital asset is. I mean, obviously, email comes to mind right away. But what are the kinds of what's the scope of the request that you see here? You know, there's there's quite a bit as, as we have different um, products, and some of them monetize. Mm-hmm. Um, that is something that we're seeing more of. Of you know, like what, th- like a YouTube channel that a decedent may have had that they were having um, ads run across. So. Google would be paying them on a regular basis for a number of views, and I'm not an expert on YouTube monetization, but whatever whatever the mechanisms are that has money flowing in, that is something that an executive in the state may be trying to 
chase down. Um, and so that's outside of the email context. Um, of course, there are photos that people mm-hmm. look for um, and uh, the documents that they may, may be storing, like in a service like Drive, um, wanting to have access to, to that. Um, Google Voice also, like phone messages? Yeah, it's it's possible that come some come some have come through on that. I'm not sure that that's. I don't think that that's a high volume product yet, but it may grow as, you know, that service grows in importance for a particular user. A lot of time with the the messages, um, you know, like text message and such. You if you still have the device, you may have access to that, and you're not looking as much for the cloud version. Right, right, right. Um, but that's another aspect that um, if you've got a device and you are uh, expecting to will that to somebody else. Like I give you my iPhone upon my death. Right. Um, but you have not given the credentials for that phone. The What you might be willing is a paperweight at that point because um, if, if like in Android devices and such, you need the password to be able to of the associated Google account to mm-hmm. enter it. Um, and there's some of these uh, devices are built in such a way now that there is no reset, like factory reset option. Um, and it's it's seen as a anti-theft security yeah. issue. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a, it's a very heartbreaking situation because somebody says, hey, they wanted me to have this, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't plan the right um, accessibility. And we don't have the 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 re- reset um, capability for some of these. So yeah, that, that's something to think through. Well, this is great. So I guess in closing, I would say, what's the weirdest request you've ever gotten? You know, I, I, I can't even think about them in that terms, because at, at the bottom line, you're dealing with people who are suffering some level of heartbreak. Yeah. Okay, and, what's the most I, tragic request you've oh. received? You know, there's there's the the this person was my life, and this is the I I want to read their messages every day to remind me of what we had and who they were. And this was actually in a situation where there was an objecting family member to the disclosure, and that said, you know, he would not have wanted that disclosure, and this other person wanted. The now, how would you know that? Did that come up in the context of getting a court order? Um, it came up in the notification uh, to the account. So okay, there so would Google be some... sent a note that said somebody's requested access and someone said, please don't provide it? Yeah. Who um, has the authority to block that access? Well, in that situation, that that was a person that was still using the account. So, so the they weren't decedent had been, you know, co-using the account with somebody else. Oh, I see. And so really... It's less of a deceased user account. It's a live person's account. Can two people own an account together? Well, I mean, for us, it's whoever has the credentials. So like I said, we don't verify ownership of an account. So if there are multiple people that have the credentials for the account, we are not in the position to be able to divine that person A is the true and rightful owner and person B is not, Um, which is one of the big challenges of this. As we walk around people interacting with other people, you say, I am a not, and this is my email address, and nobody else has that address. Don't you all know that? But nobody else necessarily knows that on the service provider side. And, and if, when there are multiple people with credentials, you know, those people have rights in the account. Oh, that is sad. So that person couldn't get the access to the yeah, information. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, 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 it's, you really feel for the pain 
that mm-hmm. people are in, and um, you want to be able to remedy that. But you know, we we also have to walk the line of our uh, the contracts that we make with our users, the um, federal and state laws that govern. And at the end of the day, you just hope that these folks can find peace and be able to grieve and mourn and um, do what they need to do. Uh, but it's not lost on us how hard this is. And, and every one of these requests, we don't take it lightly. Um, and it's not like a faceless bureaucrat that mm-hmm. is just like, you know, tosses this in the circle file and doesn't care. Like, this is hard for the folks who work on this Mm, matter. Oh, I bet. So if you could tell people, you know, one thing to remember to do, what would it be? So to not be the people making these requests. I'd say use the tools that are there for you and, you know, tell your loved ones about that. You know, think hard about what it is that you want them to have and not want them to have. Use the tools. And if you're on a service that doesn't have these tools, you know, push for that. Um, if, if I think sometimes um, developers may think that users don't want to think about death and we don't like reminding people about death in commerce, right? You don't say, I buy do. this tire, someday you'll die. You know, this is not something that, but, and service providers who really just want to give you a, a platform to, you know, interact and see the world, um, that, it's that's a that's a hard thing to put right in the sign up process, you know. Um, so it's a hard thing to evangelize. Um, it's a hard thing to think about. A lot of people might start the process and stop halfway through. Um, oh, I'm, I'm quite aware of people's aversion to thinking or planning for death. But yeah. the whole purpose of this podcast is to say, you know what? It's really about living. It's really about the people you love and the things that you love, and being proactive and thoughtful about what you're leaving behind. So. It's worth thinking about, yeah, right? And, and I think, you know, state planners such as yourself are such wonderful um, evangelists of this this process um, and are potentially in a better position to promote these tools than the providers themselves right. um, who that- are, are trying to provide a good user experience and that um, is a delicate uh, matter to promote. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. Sure. I, I can't think of anything else to ask unless there's something you wish I asked but didn't. Um, no, I just want to thank you for the time and for thinking about this issue. No problem. Okay. You've just listened to my conversation with Anat Sandman Clark, Senior Counsel at Google Inc. To find out more about Google's inactive account manager, go to your Google account and click on the link to control activity over your account in the account management section. To learn more about digital estate planning in general, go to my website, lizahanks.com, and download my free ebook on digital estate planning. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Life, Death, Law. To find out more about today's episode, or to send me a question or a suggested topic for future podcasts, go to lifedeathlaw.com, send me an email at lifedeathlawpodcast at gmail.com, or call me on the Life, Death, Law phone line at 669-232-0872. That's 669-232-0872. To subscribe to Life, Death, Law, go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. So take care, and remember, when it comes to life and death and law, we are all in the same boat. Until next time, I'm Liza Hanks. Bye. Bye.